We love you, Father. We love you. We worship you. We worship you. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. You may all be seated. How beautiful it is. Amen. To see them. That dwell together in the name of the Lord. Amen. That is beautiful. I, uh, I am reminded constantly uh, 
of what uh, God is doing in my life through the way I carry out my day and the way I live for him. I was, uh, I was at work and uh, my, uh, my boss, he's, uh, he's uh, how can I say, uh, he likes things done right. He likes things done in an orderly fashion. And the other day, he, uh, he told me, Louie, I want you to go out and I want you to rake those leaves, make a good pathway there for my sister. And then I want you to take my pump off. And then I want you to put away the lights. So off I go. And my boss, he likes to keep an eye on me. So he had me install all these cameras all over his property. And he's watching. You know, he's got his little iPad there, you know, watching all the cameras, you know. And, he, you know, sometimes he doesn't let me know. And he just tells Alexa to put it up on his TV so he can watch me where I'm at. And... God's been dealing a lot with me where I'm at, where I work, and the things that I do. And somehow, his word has changed things inside of my heart, inside of me. As I do things unto the Lord, I feel this great love for my boss and of where he's at. And my desire that God has placed inside to reach to him. It's changed from all the other things that I, that I normally did. I used to cut corners. I didn't like to do things right because I just wanted to get it done. I wanted to go home. I just wanted to finish the day and just leave. So I got done with the leaves. I went and took his pump off. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do things right. I took the rear box lid off like he likes, and I put it in the thing. I took out all his uh, things that he built in there, you know, their filters to take out, you know, all the stuff, all that dirty gunk that goes through the lines. I washed them off and I put them away for him. I took every light out and I, I wiped it down the way he likes it. And I put it away in plastics. And man, it was a long process. It like just took the whole day out there. And I went inside and he says, Louie. I want to reward you. He said, right there in my wallet, just take out $20. I want to give that to you. I said, no, you don't need to do that. He said, no, I want to do that. I was watching you. And I seen the way you handled my stuff and the way you put it away. I like the way you do things. I want to read this verse to you here in Job chapter 22. 
verse 3. Is it any pleasure to the Almighty that thou art righteous? Or is it gain to him that thou makest thy ways perfect? I want to make my ways perfect in the sight of God. I want my heart to be right with him. I want his commandments to be written in my heart. So when I'm doing something, I'm doing it out of the love and respect I have for him. Not because they told me to do it. Not because it's written. But because something is inside my heart and a love I have for him, Lord, I just want to please you. I want to do what's right in your eyes. Not what everybody else sees or thinks, but what's right in his eyes. I want to call two ushers. As you give your tithes and offerings, don't do it because the word says to return your tithe unto him. Because he'll pour out blessing. But do it because... Your heart, there is a desire in there to please him. Can we pray? Father, write your laws and commandments on my fleshly heart. Father, let it be out of love for you. Hallelujah. Today, as you reveal to me, Lord God, your word, let it be given from the heart, Lord God. Let it be gained to you. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Bless these tithes and offerings, Lord God. Let it be gain and joy unto you, Father. Ushers go forth. Hallelujah. Can we all please stand right now? Come on, open your heart right now. I don't know where your heart is today. Father. We need you, we need you, hallelujah. Search our hearts, hallelujah. Search our hearts, hallelujah. Come on, yell out unto him. We love you, Father. Come on, if you haven't said it for a while, if you haven't told him from your heart, I love you. I love you. Hallelujah. I love you. I worship you. I worship you, hallelujah. I worship you from the secret places of my heart. I worship you, I worship you. Just worship him.
I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. I will praise his name. I will praise his name. I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. I will praise his name. I will praise his name. For the rest of my life. For the rest of my life. I forever proclaim. Forever proclaim. He's good. He's good. I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. I will praise his name. I will praise his name. I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. I will praise his name. I will praise his name. For the rest of my life. For the rest of my life. I forever proclaim. Forever proclaim. He's good. He's good. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name. For who is like a Lord and King, his glory and his fame? He's exalted above the heavens. Oh, I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. I will praise his name. I will praise his name. I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. I will praise his name. I will praise his name. For the rest of my life. For the rest of my life. I forever proclaim. I forever proclaim. He's good. He's good. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name. For who is like a Lord and King, his glory and his fame? He's exalted above the heavens. Oh, I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. I will praise his name. I will praise his name. I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. I will praise his name. I will praise his name. For the rest of my life. For the rest of my life. Forever proclaim. I forever proclaim. He's good. He's good. Thank you, Jesus. He's good, isn't he? In every way, he is good. I'm thankful for that, aren't you? Amen. May the Lord bless you today. You could be seated if you like. I'm going to dismiss teachers to the class this morning. It's wonderful to worship together. I feel the richness of his spirit, the witness of the Lord. Maybe like many of you, I've been up a while. That extra hour, you know, it just throws you. And uh, I don't know if your body just automatically adjusts, and you're like, ooh, i got an extra hour. I'll just sleep another hour. Um, my body just says, wake up. And so uh, 
I encourage you, make an agreement with the Lord. Lord, if you'll wake me up, I'll get up when you wake me up. Um, If you'll pray that in sincerity, I bet you he'll start waking. I know he'll start waking you up. He has a way of doing that. So I sort of made an agreement with the Lord a little while back, and I think it's been more than 20 years since I've used an alarm clock. The Lord just has a way. Amen. And I thank God for that. Now, there's times I'm sure he's woken me up, and I've probably rolled over. So I've had to forgive me, Lord. Amen. Um, we're all human, aren't we? We're all human. And um, But there's something about let, when he wakes you up and you just get to spend time with him. It's a beautiful thing. Amen. I'm going to dismiss children ages 4 to 11 to their classroom. Thank God for our beautiful children. And the privilege of the word being taught them. Amen. It's important. It's vital. Thank God for it today. There's a whole slew of them. Oftentimes when I when I see all of our children going to the classroom, you've probably noticed the ladies outnumber the men in that in that group quite significantly, and uh, I, <laughs> I, always, uh, I always think of this, uh, my grandmother would, always, some of you heard me say this before, my grandmother would always quote this verse to me about, you know, she would always tell me I was her favorite grandson, it wasn't until I got older I recognized I was her only grandson, <laughs> so um, uh, I was still her favorite, but you know, it was just a little different, but um, you know, she'd always say kind things to me, like I'm sure grandmother should. And, uh, well, not always, but she would say kind things to me about being a boy or a young man. And, and then she would quote that scripture to me. Uh, I know she would paraphrase it, but she says, you know, the Bible says there are going to be seven women clinging to the skirt of one man to be called by his name. And she would always tell me that as a warning. I don't, I don't know. What she, she would always warn me. That, so every time I see all of our children going to class... And I see all these little girls and just, you know, a boy here and a boy there. I, my mind goes back to my grandmother. And I thought, I better tell these boys. <laughs> so, anyway, I'm not sure that's the Lord. That's probably just me. But I just, uh, anyway, random thoughts that pass through my head when I see our kids going. I thank God for our children. Don't you? I thank God for our children. Amen. It is wonderful to have Bishop and Sister Schoon over here today. We love and appreciate and honor them. And I'm going to give them liberty to come. And if they simply want to greet you or if they want to exhort as the Holy Ghost leads, I know they'll respond. But I want them to take a moment. And I see Bishop nudging Sister Schoonover. And I don't know. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. It's good to be here. Be with you all. Be with my wife in the same room. Our schedules take us. Last few weeks, we've been very busy in different places. We have been. Thank the Lord for texting and FaceTime. And um, I'm just so glad to be here today. I'm here, Brother Martin. (laughs) We have a personal thing going on. And I have to convince him that I'm in church everywhere, and I'm sorry I can't make it here sometimes. So, and I just, I just love all of you, and I appreciate the 
the relationships I have with you. Relationship is important. Connectivity is important. Belonging is important. And sometimes we will have a remembrance um, of great things. And sometimes I believe it's the Lord that allows us to remember things that weren't so great. I was telling the bishop, this, my husband this morning, that, that um, I had the most unusual dream this morning and uh, right before I woke up. And it was in the house that I was raised in. Um, and I haven't thought of that house in a long time. And, you know, I didn't come to know Jesus until 1979, November 7th. And so it would be 42 years today that I have, was baptized in Jesus' name, received the gift of the Holy Ghost, and was completely delivered from drugs and alcohol. I was one of those completely delivered on that day. I went home and I, yes. God does that. He does that. And um, I went home and I flushed all my drugs on the toilet. And my friends were so mad at me for doing that. But they thought it was just another Another phase, like the phase that I did vegetarian for six months. Another phase. We'll see how long this lasts. So 42 years later. But the Lord, the Lord gave me a dream of when I was in our house and I was growing up. And the Lord allowed me to feel the shame and the weight, the confusion I carried as a child. I was the child that was always rescuing every situation in my home. It was very volatile, and I had wonderful parents, but they were doing what they knew to do without Jesus. And, um, and that included a lot of alcohol. That included a lot of fighting. That included me just always doing things. Do this so dad's not mad at mom. Do this so mom's not mad at dad. And I did take that into my adulthood, the art of rescuing. And it's not always a good thing. In fact, the Lord extremely dealt with me about it this year, the art of rescuing. And, uh, but I felt that shame. I felt that pain. And then I was trying to rescue other people that I tried to rescue when they were young girls. One of them, they were the McKee girls were in my dream. And I was trying to rescue them. And then I woke up, and I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the for everything you are to me. And I really didn't understand even that it was November 7th, you know, that, oh, yeah, 42 years today. But I, was rem I had that remembrance of what I came out of. And today I'm just so thankful that he has kept me. I've made so many mistakes along the way. I've done so many stupid things. Oh, almost every day. But God is merciful. His mercies are new each and every morning. And he has wrapped his loving arms around me and accepted me. And I'm so thankful for his grace and mercies today. And I'm thankful we're in the same room. Hallelujah. That's good. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I appreciate the ministry of the Holy Ghost here. Don't you? 
Anybody relate to being rescued? We used to sing an old song, He rescued me. He rescued me. <laughs> I'm thankful for that. He's a rescuer. And uh, I appreciate Sister Schoonover. You know, she said, We, anybody make mistakes? Yeah. I um I don't I don't get angry too much. Um I don't think maybe you can check with my family later. I d- I'm I'm sure I'm like anybody, I definitely have moments. Um I I don't have much of a temper. Probably because I grew up in a house that had a temper in it, and I determined I'm not having a temper in my house as much as I can. So oftentimes when I get really angry, I'll shut down just because I don't want to give room to that. Um, sometimes temperance means you just shut down. You don't give room to it. It doesn't mean you don't get angry. I better say that again. Sometimes temperance doesn't mean you don't get angry. It just means you don't give into it all right temperance is learning to allow the spirit of god to rule and reign in your spirit so you don't yield to that which angers you but i'm angry today and um so we're going to go into the word of god and uh i think you'll understand as we guide into the word something like "Uh oh don't brace yourself uh, there's no need to brace yourself. You ever, you know, I think sometimes we, you can go to the book of Genesis. Just that, that lets you know we're starting right now. Here we go. Book of Genesis, chapter number three. Now, I, I think, you know, sometimes we just put up with stuff. You ever just put up with stuff? Some of you? Yeah, I do too. I think there's there's a right place and time for tolerance of certain things. You just you know you got it. You got to extend mercy. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you tolerate some stuff. You like you know there. Maybe it's if it's with individuals like you know they're growing. They they got to learn. I got I got to have a little patience here. Or maybe I'm going to be merciful here, right? But sometimes we bring that. There's some situations that deserve no tolerance and no mercy. Amen? There's some things that we should not tolerate or be merciful about or look the other way or be silent. Amen? And so we're going to talk about that today. Um, Genesis chapter 3, verse number 7. Genesis 3 and 7. I'm sure that we've, along the journey, ministered from these scriptures before, so don't jump ahead and go, oh, we've already talked. All right. Genesis 3 and verse 7 says, And the eyes of them, this is Adam and Eve, the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. I want you to notice something here in Genesis 3 and 7. Their eyes were opened. 
Now, typically, when we would read that about someone, we would say, that's a good thing. Right? This is not a good thing. Here's why this is not a good thing. This is what's literally being said here. Yes, their eyes were opened, but their eyes were opened not the way God would have opened them. They began to see themselves from a fleshly position rather than seeing themselves the way God saw them. You with me? When their eyes were opened, they were opened to their frailty, to their humanity, to their inability. The Lord never saw them that way. He saw them under His covering, under His protection, under His care. And He wanted them to see themselves always as He saw them, understanding that in Him... But when their eyes were open, they began to see themselves from a fleshly perspective because they had fallen. And this is a tactic of the adversary that when we fall, we begin to see our human nature rather than what God has done to cover us. So their eyes were open. They knew they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together, made aprons. Now watch. Verse 8. They heard the voice of the God, Lord God walking in the garden in the cool. Wouldn't that be great to hear the voice of the Lord God when you're walking early in the morning? You know, the cool of the day is the earliest part of the day, just before the rising of the sun. They're walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hear the voice of the Lord. Doesn't that sound beautiful? And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. What? They heard the voice of God in the garden, and they hid themselves. Why did they hide themselves? Because their eyes have been opened to their humanity, and they've been listening to something that's no longer the voice of God. But they heard the voice of God, and rather than respond to Him, they hid from Him. Verse 9. And the Lord God called Adam and said to him, Where are you? Notice in this marriage relationship, He addressed the man. They were together. They were one flesh. But the responsibility here, Adam, where are you? I've asked this before, but it bears asking again. Did God know where he was? Did God know where he was? Does God know where you are? Those joining us online. Does God know where you are? He knows where we are. So he knew where Adam was. He knows where we are. Brother Martin started saying that today. God knows where we are. So why is God asking Adam where he is? I'll tell you why. God wanted to know if Adam knew where he was. Where are you, Adam? Are you willing to express and acknowledge where you are? 
or are you going to continue to hide from me, even though I know where you are? Now, was God doing that in accusation and condemnation? No. God was trying to get Adam to respond to him. God was seeking to engage Adam. But see, the adversary wanted him to hide himself because he'd fallen. He'd, he saw his failure. His eyes were open, right? His eyes have been open. He's seen his failure. He's seen his shortcoming. And so he's going to hide from God. But God says, no, no, no. I want you to identify where you are, not so I can condemn you. I'm trying to get you to respond to me. I need you to re-engage with me, Adam. Don't run from me when you fall. Where are you? Watch what Adam says. It's funny, Adam, you ever have somebody asking you a question, you know what they're trying to get you to respond to, but you sort of circumvent the question. Adam does this. I never realized this until I was reading this today. Adam circumvents the question. He doesn't answer the question at first. He really doesn't answer the question at all. I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Now, what part of that says where he is? Actually, all of it. I'll tell you where he was. He was in fear. I was afraid. What was he afraid of? I mean, he didn't live in a sinful world. Well, it was now. He'd sinned. What was he afraid of? He was afraid he had disappointed God. And so his fear that he had disappointed God led him to believe that he should hide himself from God rather than commune with God. Now watch. Verse 11. And he said, he is the Lord. The Lord said to Adam, who told you you were naked? Turn with me. We're, we're going to shift gears here in a minute. Some of you are going, he doesn't sound mad to me. Just stay with me. Who told you you were naked? Um. Luke chapter 4. You can just hold your hand there. We know the answer to the question that the Lord asked Adam. Who told you you were naked? The question is really this. It would be phrased this way in today's terms. Adam, who have you been talking to? Who have you been listening to? Adam, where did this thought come from? Where did this originate? This wasn't from me, Adam. Who told you this? Well, we know the answer. It was the adversary. It was Satan that had been talking to Adam. And his response, I was afraid, revealed who he'd been talking to. How he was feeling about himself revealed who he'd been talking with. Someone listen today. Now this anger is starting to come out. 
who he'd been talking to was affecting how he thought God saw him. And so he was being deceived because he'd been listening to the adversary. I'm trying to rein it in. I don't want to blow your eardrums out. But I, the scripture teaches us in the book of uh, John, I think, John 8, 44. I know I said Luke. But John 8 and 44, Jesus was speaking there and he was speaking to the religious. He said, you're of, the fa- you're of your father. John 8 and 44, maybe you can throw that up there. Maybe I can find it real quick. You are of your father, the devil. Woo, those are strong words, aren't they? And the lusts of your father or the desires of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. He abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. No truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. We need to understand some things today about the Word of God, from the Word of God, and we need to understand some things about our adversary. He's a liar. Why would I continually engage in conversation with a liar? Why would I continue taking thought and listening to and giving room to the voice of a liar? And why would I, as a child of God, give more credence to the voice of a liar than to the word of the living God that is forever settled in heaven. Why would I give an ear of thought? I'll tell you why. The same reason Adam did. His eyes had been opened in a negative way. He began to look upon his humanity rather than look upon his creator. He began to look upon the one that had caused him to fall and listen to him rather than listen to the one who had made him to overcome. He began listening to the wrong voice. And he knew it was a lie. But there was enough truth there. Enough truth there that Adam would focus on his humanity rather than focus on the one who had all power and had created him. Now how foolish does that sound? I'm going to listen to someone. I have two options. I can listen to this one over here that was created by my father. Or I can listen to my father. Do you know why we'll listen to the one created by him rather than listen to him? The only reason is because he's appealing to our sinful nature. God doesn't appeal to my sinful nature. God says, I want to cover your sinful nature. But I need you to re-engage in conversation with me. Where are you? Where are you? Who told you you were naked? Who have you been talking to? Now, watch. This pattern never changes of the adversary. Uh, Luke chapter 4, if you were holding your hand there, verse number 1, Luke 4 and 1. Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterward hungered. Watch verse 3. And the devil said to him, remember he's a liar, he's the father of it. Watch his words. And we know from Genesis, the adversary's subtle. He's subtle. And so if you and I don't know the word of God and aren't in relationship with God, the subtleness of the adversary will twist the word of God 
It's why you and I can't make it just living Sunday and Thursday. We need to be in prayer daily. We need to be in fellowship with God and His Word. We need to be in fellowship with the body of Christ. The adversary loves to isolate, pick up, and then get you over here in a corner and right, oh, you've messed up. You shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't lift your hands and worship with everybody else. And you start isolating and you isolate. And the adversary just says, if I can get them isolated. You know, the wolf doesn't go into the center of the flock to get the sheep. He looks for the sheep that's on the outskirts that started pulling away and isolating. Get back in the flock. It's not filled with perfect sheep. It's filled with blood-covered sheep. Amen? Now, watch. Verse 3. The devil said to him, If you be the Son of God, Command this stone to be made bread. Now, here's the subtlety of the adversary. We're going to see, we're going to pull off some of the adversary's tactics. We're going to reveal them. The scripture says we're not ignorant of his devices. We need to recognize the adversary's devices. Notice, the adversary did not ask Jesus a question. But the adversary planted a question with his statement. And this is what the adversary does. Let me just plant a thought that will cause you to begin to question yourself. And then you engage in dialogue and the adversary will keep feeding your question. And you'll notice the question in there, if thou be the son of God. What's the question? Who are you? Let me question your identity. Let me question your identity. If you're the son of God, prove it. Can I just say this? We don't have to prove anything to the adversary. Somebody needs to hear that. You don't have to prove anything to the adversary. I promise you. If you've been buried in the name of Jesus, had the blood of Christ applied to your life, he knows it. He knows it. And he knows he's defeated. Now what? You'll see this pattern. Skip down to verse number 9. And he brought him to Jerusalem. This is the devil tempting Jesus. He brought him to Jerusalem. He set him on a pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you be the Son of God, cast yourself down from here. Question again. Who are you? What's your identity? What's your identity? Now, this is a tactic of the adversary. Now, all of that was introduction. I've been in conversations in the, in the last week, and the more conversations I've been in, the more it's just amped up in my spirit, for lack of a better word. I remember, and... Many of you have heard me make reference to this. When I went through a season a few years ago where for several years the bombardment of my mind and the battling that I went through in my mind and the things that were tormenting my mind and trying to, to get through that and feeling. And I remember a conversation I had with Bishop one day. I can't remember if it was verbally or a text. But I remember a conversation and he made this statement to me. I think it was a text because I remember reading. He made this statement to me. He said, you need to just tell the devil to shut up. Now, 
I don't use those words shut up too often, like ever. Uh, it was just a, a thing in, in my life and in my home, and it was just. But I thought, you know what? That's right. I can use them with the, I have no respect for the adversary. I have no courtesy for the adversary. I have no timer. Devil, shut up. And so, some of you need to learn how to talk to the adversary. You need to stop listening and learn to start speaking. You need to find your voice in the word of God. You need to find a conviction in your spirit as a child of God filled with the Holy Ghost that says, Satan, shut up. I've read in the word of God that I have been covered in the blood. And I am an overcomer, not by my ability, not by my doing, not by my perfection, but I've been washed in the blood. And I am an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony Devil, shut up. We need to learn how to speak to the adversary. You know, there were times, and I bit my tongue along the way in the journey, there were times where I would be somewhere and someone would maybe step out of place and would speak to my children in a way that, ooh. And I thought, precious Jesus, let me not lose my testimony right here. Any parents know what I'm talking about? When you were buried in the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ and he put his name on your life and then he filled you with the baptism of the gift of the Holy Ghost, you became a born again child of God and there needs to be a rising up in your spirit when the adversary comes and begins to bombard your thoughts and says hold on a minute I know who I am I may not have become all I will be, but I know who I became when I went down in the waters of baptism when I was filled with his spirit. Satan, get behind me. Satan, I've read the word, and he has put you under my feet. We need to declare the word of God to the adversary. This isn't original with me, but I love it so much I use it a lot. In Revelation chapter 20, I love quoting the word. You know, Jesus, when he was tempted, when his identity was questioned, he quoted the word to the adversary. It is written. It is written. I would to God that as children of God, we would lay hold on the word of God and learn how to talk to the adversary. Ezekiel said, when we see him, we're going to go, is this the one? Is this the one? I would that God would just give us a revelation of how small he is relative to the body of Christ right now. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. That's the word of God. We need to know the word of God. I look, revelation 20, I almost forgot. I've got to tell you. We need to learn to quote and speak the word. When the ad, and look, the adversary is going to come, and he's usually going to come when you fall and fall short, make a mistake and falter. That's why I so appreciate what Sister Schoonover said. We fall. We're going to make mistakes. We do stupid stuff. We're human. And the adversary says, I know what I'll do. I'll come in and I'll beat them up because they're human. Well, duh. 
I'm not here because I'm perfect. I'm not here. I need him because I'm imperfect. So I don't, I don't run from him when my imperfection shows up. Because it's going to show up. I run to him. And when the adversary brings that to me, I have to speak to him. Sometimes Now, I'm not engaging him in conversation. I need to learn. This is a one-way conversation here. You st- stop talking. This is what I have to say to you. Revelation 20. I'm trying to get there because it's a great verse. Satan, there is a chain being prepared for you. There's something being prepared for me too. But for you, there's a chain being prepared that's going to bind you and you're going to be cast into the bottomless pit. That's what you've got coming. So shut up and get behind me. He's preparing a place for me. He's preparing a chain for you. We need to learn the word of God and learn to speak the word of God to the adversary. I'm not talking about mind over matter. I'm not talking about semantics. I'm talking about knowing who we are in Christ and recognizing when the adversary's darts come and they will come, then I know the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. I take those things, the word of God, and I bring the word of God and I learn how to speak to the adversary. 1 John 4 and 4 is always a great one to bring back to him. Greater is he that is in me. Greater is he that is in me. I can tell you sometimes when I'm going through it and I can feel the bombardment, I fall, I come back, get under the blood, pray a prayer of repent. And if you need to repent, repent. If you need to repent, repent. But repent, accept the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ, and get up and go forward. But there's got to be a reminder. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That is a direct quote of the word of God to the adversary. Satan, he that dwells in me is greater than you. Now, you don't feel that way when you've fallen. But just because you've fallen doesn't mean the Holy Ghost has departed. You understand? If you've been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, just because you've fallen doesn't mean the Holy Ghost has departed. And so if I've fallen, I repent, I get back up again. I receive the forgiveness of God and I let the Spirit of God work and operate through my life. And I understand I have some things to say to the adversary if I need to. Now, I don't make it a daily practice, necessarily. But I'm telling you, the last few days, I've just been putting him in his place. Enough's enough. And so I'm praying by the word of God. Some of you go, you know what? Satan, enough. I know who I am. Now, watch, and I'm finishing here. We find, we read it there in Luke chapter 4 where the devil tempted Jesus. If thou be the Son of God. If thou be the Son of God. Questioning identity. Questioning identity. And the reason the adversary would bombard minding your thoughts when he falls, he's really trying to get us to question whether we're really a child of God or not. Have you really been bought with a price? Have you really been washed in the blood? Are you really an overcomer? I mean... 
That failure doesn't look like overcoming. That's just how the adversary sounds. I got to Satan, my failure doesn't mean I'm not an overcomer. Do you remember where I was 10 years ago? Do you remember where I was 20 years ago? Take a good look. I'm an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb. Take a good look. God has brought me out of darkness into his marvelous light. Take a good look. I haven't perfected yet. I'm not all that he intends me to be, but I'm not going back. Your hold's been broken. You have no authority in my life. I've been bought with the blood of the Lamb. We need to know who we are and learn to speak to the adversary according to the word of God. According to the word of God. According to the word of God. So the adversary, if you're the son of God, if you're the son, and he's questioning, are you a child of God? If you're this, this is the deception. If you're really living for God, you should be perfect. Well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Which makes sense because it's the adversary saying it. There ain't a one of us in this room that's perfect. But we're made clean and we're washed by the blood of the Lamb. We're made clean and we're washed by the blood of the Lamb. I believe this word. My confidence is not in my goodness. It's in the blood of the Lamb that's on my life. My confidence is not in what I've accomplished. It's in the ultimate price He's paid that has redeemed me unto Himself, that has reconciled me unto God Himself. My confidence is in what He's done, not who I am. But the adversary, when he bombards my thoughts, wants me to focus on what I've done rather than what he's done. Wants me to focus on how I see myself rather than how God sees me and what he's shaping me to be. We need a... I had an old pastor that used to say, get rid of that stinking thinking. We need a rearranging of our mind and how we think and who we yield to. Adam, who told you you were naked? Where'd that thought come from that you've continued to entertain that brings fear into your life, that brings uh, inadequacy, thoughts of inadequacy or being less than or inferior? Where does that thought, it didn't originate with God. Let our minds be washed and regenerated by the word of God. Let our spirit be renewed by the word of God. Let our hearts be strengthened by that which every joint supplies when we come together in fellowship, true spiritual, scriptural fellowship. Koinonia is the Greek word where a brother and a sister come together and there's an exchange of ministry that takes... How do we speak to the adversary? I, I find it interesting. My son and I were talking, riding in the car yesterday, coming and going, and and uh, this has been turning to me. So, my my family oftentimes they, they get what you get on Sunday. They get it along the way, depending on how the Holy Ghost is working. And so, I'm not testing on them, but they, I just expect them to really say Amen on Sunday. But, um, and you know, we all know the story of David and Goliath, right? And the armies of Israel. You know, David didn't go down there thinking, I'm going to go in and have a fight when I get down there. He was delivering bread and cheese or something like that. That's what he was going for. He'd been out caring for sheep, playing his harp, 
a bear came, a lion came. But it wasn't like that all happened in like the week before necessarily. That was just stuff along the journey. Most of the time, he was just sitting out there tending sheep, praising God. Don't despise the monotony of day to day. Don't despise the monotony of day to day. Every day is not slaying Goliath. Most of the days are just sitting out in the pasture, fellowshipping God. Thank God for those days. And a bear come, slay the bear, go back to worshiping. But it would be preparation. Now, so David is obeying his father. He's taking, I don't know if he had a basket. I, I don't know what he had, but he's taking, you know the story. He's taking food to his brothers, right? His brothers are in the armies of Israel. He gets down there, he takes them, and this Goliath comes out. The adversary shows up, right? The adversary comes out. Send me a bear. I don't know what he sounded like. I always picture maybe he was big and bulky, you know, like a big fighter like Mike Tyson, but it sounded like him too. Send me a man. Sorry. Nothing against Mike Tyson. I, when I was a kid, he was a fierce fighter. I just, I just always, it was like if he talked, it blew it for you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It just blew it for you. So I don't know if Goliath was like that. I don't think so. I think he probably had this booming voice. But it wasn't the voice of Goliath. It wasn't even the natural size of Goliath. It was a spirit of intimidation. This is what the adversary does. A spirit of intimidation. And David said, who's going to go fight this guy? And his brother said, oh, we know the naughtiness of your heart. Why, you're coming down. Look, sometimes when you're going through it, don't talk to people that are just going to reaffirm the voice of the adversary. You know, misery loves company. You ever heard that before? Misery loves company. Don't go to some other miserable person and say, Oh, you know, the devil's just beating me up. Yeah. Oh, I know, brother. Me too. We're just, we'll just hold the fort till he comes. No! No! Don't do that. And you'll be strengthened in the Lord and the power of His might. Know what the word said? Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Not my own. And so here's David and his brothers. We know the naughtiness of your heart. Well, they're saying that because they've succumbed to the spirit of intimidation and fear. David. Saul says, okay, he's going to fight. Here's my armor. I haven't proved that. I, I just, I'm going to go fight. Notice. The enemy's voice of intimidation. Send me a boy, I'm going to feed him to the birds, the dogs, whatever he's going to feed him to. He was going to feed him to something. David says, you come to me with a sword and a spear. But I come to you in the name of the Lord. And he asked this question of his brothers and of the armies of Israel. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that would dare defy the armies of the living God? I want something to rise up in my spirit like David. That when the adversary starts running his mouth, I don't want to be his brothers. See, David learned how to talk to the adversary. David learned how to talk to the adversary. Notice, he didn't engage him in conversation. The adversary said his stuff. David said what he said, and then he killed him. We're not going to have an ongoing dialogue here with the adversary. We need to recognize who we are. Would you stand with me this morning?
In Jesus' name. 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 I'm opening this altar to you today. Would you find a place of prayer with Him? And if you need to repent because you've fallen, then repent. But then get up and put one foot in front of the other. Come on, the race is not given to the swift or to the strong. The race is given to Him that endures to the end. So get up, put another foot in front of the other. Say, I know who I am in Jesus Christ. I know who I am in Him. I know who I am. I've been bought with a price. I've been washed in the blood. I know who I am. Greater is He that is within me than He that is in the world. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I am not yet made perfect, but by your blood and by your word, Lord, you'll bring me to perfection. You'll bring us to a place of perfection in you. And so, Lord, I'll continue to pursue you. I'll continue relationship with you. I'll not hide from you. I'll not run from you. I'll run to you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Dear precious lady, dear precious man, yes, you may fall, but get up again. Get up again. In the name of Jesus. 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 Well, the adversary is only coming against you because he wants to keep you from what God has designed and destined you for. It's the only reason he came against Jesus, if you're the Son of God. It's the same thing that was said on the cross, if you're the Son of God, come down. But he couldn't. He'd already settled who he was. And he was content to fulfill the will of God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. there's an equipping of the Holy Ghost there's an equipping of the Holy Ghost that you'll learn how to fight that you'll learn how to speak with the adversary to the adversary scripture says of the Lord he teaches our hands how to war in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus
There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. To break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. There's an army rising up. There's an army rising up. We're the army rising up. To break every chain, 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 to break every chain. I hear those chains falling. I hear those chains falling. I hear those chains falling. To break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. To break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. My sin was strong, but Jesus is stronger. My shame was great, but Jesus is greater. My sin was strong, but Jesus is stronger. My shame was great, but Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater than anything. 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 To break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. To break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. I hear those chains falling. I hear those chains falling. I hear those chains falling. To break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. 
I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. sin was strong but Jesus is stronger my shame was great but Jesus is greater my sin was strong but Jesus is stronger my shame was great but Jesus is greater Jesus is greater than anything Jesus is greater than anything Jesus is greater than anything 
Jesus is greater than anything. Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We need to understand something. If you're praying, keep praying. We need to understand this. If the adversary wasn't concerned about you in the body and as a child of God, he wouldn't be messing with you. You're a threat to his kingdom. As a child of God filled with the Holy Ghost, you're a threat to His kingdom. And He knows it. Now we read in Luke where the adversary said, If thou be the Son of God, turn the stones into bread. If thou be. He was trying to get Jesus to question His identity. Because if He would question His identity, He would question His purpose. And so some of these things that come... The Lord allows them to come because you have to get a resolve about who you are. You have to get a resolve about who you're called to be. You say, well, I don't know all that yet. Then get a resolve that God's purchased me and I'm going to stay in this journey as He continues to reveal to me my destiny that He set up on my life. Because that was the beginning of Christ's ministry. He came out of the wilderness and began to walk in his three and a half years of ministry. It was at the end of his ministry, the fulfillment of his purpose and calling, Calvary. When he was hanging on the cross, those words came back again. If thou be the Son of God. No, you can try that. I've already settled that. I settled that in the wilderness some years ago. I know who I am. This dying is only temporary. This dying is... You understand? He recognized the dying is temporary. The victory is eternal. What I'm doing and what's happening, I'm not questioning. The adversary wants you to question your identity so that he can keep you from the destiny and design God has on your life. It was too late. Jesus had won the victory in the wilderness when he began to declare the word. And so on the cross, when he said, if you're the son of God, he didn't need to prove who he was. He couldn't be tempted with trying to show his power. The fulfillment of his purpose was greater than the demonstration of his power. And we need to understand that as children of God. The adversary doesn't even care if you demonstrate power as long as you don't fulfill your purpose that God set on your life. And so he'll attack you so you'll question yourself and not walk in the purpose and calling of God. Speak the word back. Speak the word back. I've been bought. I've been blood covered. 
greater is he that's in me. I know who I am through Christ. It's not by my might. It's not by my power, but by his spirit. His spirit working in me and through me. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. We need to declare the word of God back to the adversary. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, would you lift your hands right now? Some of you I prayed for and different ones have prayed for you individually, but there's a very clear thing I felt this morning in the Holy Ghost, that the Lord is wanting to remove reproach. This is the word. He wants to remove reproach. Some of you have sat under a cloud of spiritual reproach because of the lie of the adversary. I pray in the name of Jesus and by the authority of the Word of God, the authority of the name of Jesus Christ, let every reproach of the past be removed from the children of God. And let us walk in the purpose and calling of God. In the name of Jesus. 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 I don't care about yesterday. It's under the blood. I don't care about last week. It's under the blood. I don't care about last year. It's under the blood. It's under the blood. It's under the blood. In the name of Jesus, it's under the blood. Come on, it's the voice of Job saying, Though he slay me, yet I'll trust him. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. A child of God. I mean, I'm going to say this and you're going to think, well, of course, that's so foolish. But as a child of God, that we would fall into the trap of believing the adversary more than believing the word of God and more than believing God. Think about that. That's what happens. Because the adversary is subtle. So we've got to get back to the word of God. Let the word of God be spoken across our lips. In truth and conviction, knowing who we are. Knowing who we are in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Let me say this. The adversary, of course, speaks in our thoughts. Thoughts, thoughts, thoughts. I'll plant a thought. I'll plant. Now, the adversary can't be everywhere at once. But thoughts, thoughts, thoughts. And the adversary is not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. 
God does, but the adversary does not. Don't give God's attributes to the adversary. The adversary is not the opposite of God. He's not even close. Something opposite is equal but opposite. That's not the adversary. The adversary was created by God. He's not equal to God in any way, shape, or form. He doesn't know your thoughts. He doesn't even know if a thought he plants gets through until you speak it. You start giving room to it. You start having a conversation with him. He's like, oh, I got a hook in. So where do these thoughts come from? Sometimes they're just idle time. But in our world we live in today, we're bombarded by thought. And remember, we live in a, we live in a world system where the God of this world, the adversary, is the God of this world. And so when we entertain the things of this world, we're giving avenue to the thoughts of the adversary. You understand? Now, you guys think I get on kick sometimes, and I probably do. I'm not against, completely, social media. But social media is a bombardment of thoughts, nonstop. People, all you're doing is scrolling through people's thoughts. You understand that? You're just scrolling and reading people's thoughts. And I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say most of those thoughts are probably not originating with God. Could be wrong. Maybe you got one of those feeds that's all God. But some people professing stuff that I'm like, that ain't God. And so we need to learn to discern and guard our thoughts. Peter said, gird up your mind, the loins of your mind. Why did he say the loins of your mind? Because the loins is the place of reproduction. And so he's saying, gird up that place in your mind where thoughts are reproduced. We need to gird it up. And I have watched. I I witness it. I witness it spiritually. I don't know that I've talked to anybody about this. But I have witnessed especially... In our young ladies, young ladies, I hope you're listening. Not that it's just specific to them, but I have watched where Instagram has begun to affect how they think about themselves because they follow and they scroll through pictures of other people and other people's lives. And you know Instagram's just me putting all the perfect stuff up. Ain't nobody posted a picture like, selfie, just got out of bed, don't I look a mess? And even if they do, that's staged. <laughs> you say, you know, I don't read all that stuff. I just scroll Instagram. Picture's worth a thousand words. Thought. And so here's what the adversary does. Oh, look, you're not, you don't measure up to them. Look at their life. Don't you wish your life was like that? Look at what they have. Look at, look at their beauty look at there and the adversary uses it to bombard your thoughts how do you see yourself who told you you weren't beautiful Ooh, i felt that who told you god told you that god said you're not beautiful no god didn't say that he makes 
That's the word. You need to tell the adversary that. He made you in his image. He made you beautiful. Mariah and Alyssa, you are beautiful ladies. You really are. I'm not just trying to be kind. I'm probably a little biased. <laughs> but you're beautiful ladies. You are. I don't want you to look like the world. You're beautiful God-made ladies. Your hair is beautiful. God's made you beautiful. You're beautiful. Vanessa and Veronica, you're beautiful ladies. You're beautiful mothers. You're beautiful wives. God made you beautiful. He didn't make you perfect, but he made you beautiful. Don't believe lies. Don't get your opinion from the world. You hear me? Don't do it. I have, I have a question for you. I'm trying to be done. The Holy Ghost is, I'm mad. I have a question for you. I have, I have a daughter. You guys, most of you knew that. She's 24. Oh, I got that wrong the other day, I think I got told. They grow up too quick. Let me ask you a question. How old are you? Yeah. Twelve. All right. Isn't she beautiful? She's beautiful. I have a question for you all. At what point, I was going to call you Melanie, but that's not right. Madison. Madison. We got Madison McKenna Michaela. I can't keep them all straight. And I'm like, I'm going to say the wrong one no matter what I say. I have a question. At what point does a, a beautiful girl like Madison, 12 years old, at what point do we say, you know what, Madison? You're really not beautiful the way God made you anymore. I think you could probably improve upon what God has done. It makes me mad too. And so Madison, I'll tell you what, if you'll start finding things to cover yourself from the world, change your complexion from what God made, change the color of things that God made, you can improve upon what God has done. Hide the beauty that God gave you. You can make yourself more beautiful if you'll put things on. And you'll make yourself more beautiful than God made you. At what point do I take my daughter and tell her she's no longer beautiful the way God made her, but the only way to improve on her beauty is to begin to cover it up or change the way she looks? When does that happen? I'll tell you when it happens. When they start looking at the world and the magazines of the world and Hollywood's image of what beauty is and the world's description of what beauty is. And, and we, now, I say that, and you guys are like, of course not. My daughter doesn't go from, oh, you know, when she was 12 and 13, she was beautiful. By the time she got 15, beauty left, and she better find a way to improve. Doesn't that sound foolish just saying that? But that's the picture the world paints. 
And so this is the, this is the tool of the adversary. Compare yourself to others. And then he won't get you to compare yourself to a beautiful lady of God in the church. He'll get you to compare yourself to what the world calls beautiful. Look at a Hollywood star. Look at a music superstar. Look at what the world calls beautiful. That's not beautiful. I hope you're hearing what I'm saying, what I believe the Holy Ghost is saying this morning. Don't buy the deception of the adversary. That gets me mad too, Brother Joel. We need to know who we are. In Jesus' name. Can we thank the Lord today? Jesus. You're a good father. You're a good father. We worship and magnify and glorify you. We honor, exalt, and adore you. We praise and bless and glorify you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. May God bless you richly and abundantly. May you speak words of life. Speak words of life. Speak words of life. In Jesus' name. Greet somebody. You're dismissed in the beautiful name of Jesus.